Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to My Time Capsule. My name's Mike Fenton-Stevens and My Time Capsule is the podcast where I ask my guest to tell me the five things from their life that they would like to put in a time capsule. They can pick anything from any time in their life, but they must pick four things that they cherish and one thing that they'd like to forget, something they want to bury in the ground and never think of again. My guest in this episode is the actor Catherine Tildesley, famous for her television performances as Iris Moss in the BBC drama Lilies, Eva Price on Coronation Street, a role she played for seven years, and Karen Norris in the BBC One sitcom Scarborough, written by the marvellous Darren Lytton and co-starring Jason Manford. Catherine was also a contestant on the 17th series of Strictly Come Dancing, when she was partnered by the wonderful Johannes Radebe. Catherine was born in Manchester and trained at the Birmingham School of Acting and has also been in Holby City, No Angels, Sorted, Florence Nightingale, Doctors, Scallywagger, 20 episodes of Emmerdale in the role of Abby Peterson, Shameless, Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps, The Royal, Trolled, 15 Days, Viewpoint and McDonald and Dots. She's been a guest on Loose Women, Life on Murs, Lorraine, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and The Weakest Link. Catherine started as a singer and has released her own studio album, Rise. She's been nominated for the British Soap Awards, Inside Soap Awards and the TV Choice Awards 12 times. I won't tell you if she won or not. She's married with two young children, Alfie and Iris, and yet she still found the time to chat with me. So before the youngest one wakes up, here is the marvellous Catherine Tildesley and the five things she would put in her time capsule. Well, I have to say, how lovely of you to do this when you've got a little one-year-old. Thank you. Yeah, she's great. We're nearly there with the sleeping. Mm-hmm. She likes to party at 3am, but we're, we're <laughs> getting there. <laughs> yeah, 
it's just exhausting, isn't it? Our, our little boy, Alfie, he didn't sleep for the first three years, which is why there's such a big age gap, because Tom was like, we are not doing that again. <laughs> um, and he's still, do you know what? He's nearly eight now, and he will be a little bit up and down sometimes. Mm. Just some kids, it's in their nature. You mm. know, they just don't want to sleep. Yeah. It's almost as if they, they're frightened they're going to miss something. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. Yeah. Iris is very much like that. She's just a little social butterfly. Mm. Yeah, 3 a.m. seems to be party time. So <laughs> That's lovely. So you've got the heating set to come on at 2.30. You're not far off. We just come <laughs> on at 4 o'clock because we, that's generally the point where we just give up. But um, <laughs> it is improving. So we're determined over the next couple of weeks to – to be really strict with it because yeah. we've made a rod for our own back in a few ways, to be honest. Um, but, you know, everybody does, Catherine. Don't criticise yourself for that. My daughter was 41 this last weekend. Oh, wow. And that's a very disturbing thing <laughs> <laughs> because I can chat to you about looking after young children and having a small child in your life as if it were yesterday. Yeah, I bet. Well, it just e- even now I'm aware of how fast it's going Mm. It's terrifying. I feel like I was pregnant five minutes ago and (laughs) she's nearly one. It's it's scary. Yeah. And then suddenly, oh, my God, they're at secondary. Oh, my God, they've gone to university. Oh, my God. Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't imagine (laughs) it. No. When you get there, that's what it feels like. But actually, you then, if you sit and think through all the moments, and particularly those moments which you must be going through now, which are those things where you think, will this ever end? Yes. Yeah. Mm. When when you're in that phase, it doesn't feel like it will ever end. No. It was the same when I was pregnant. I felt like an elephant that had been <laughs> pregnant since 1942. I was like, oh, my God, I'm always going to be pregnant. <laughs> and, and, you know, in the thick of this these sleep problems, now you don't think it'll ever end. But, you know, even the past few days we've had improvements and developmentally at this age, it's a astonishing how Mm. much they change and how fast they change yeah and it's joy even though you're knackered it's just all these little breakthroughs i'm seeing this little independent woman you know Mm. she's just amazing i'm very very lucky you'll have all those really strange little videos on your phone and tucked Mm -hmm. away and and facebook will keep saying do you remember this and it's things that my grandchildren do that remind me of things that i saw with my own children yeah, my mum said that. There's a lot of things that Iris does and she, my mum said it, it is like going back in time and, and having me as a baby again. It must be just so lovely to have that. Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. No, it's fantastic. And yet, you know, of course, completely individual. They can be so different. Alfie and Iris are very, very different, but they look like the same baby. It's mm. like I've had the same baby again. They're just the spitting image. They're both the spitting image of Tom. It's like I wasn't involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's lovely to have you on here. Do you know, I have to admit to not being a watcher of Coronation Street. So I know I'm sorry. No, not at all. <laughs> no, but I'm from the South. What can we do? Oh, there you go. You see? There you go. That's where you've gone wrong. <laughs> That's why a big mistake in my life. I know. No, don't tell me. I know. But I really loved you in Scarborough. I thought you were fantastic in Thank it. Thank you. 
you must be so pissed off with the BBC. <laughs> oh, we were gutted. We were really gutted because, but then a lot of things don't make sense when it comes to programming because the reviews were great. The viewing mm-hmm. figures were fab. And we were like, this is a dead cert. This is yeah. going to happen again. And we were all ready to rumble. And then they decided not to do it. And you never really find out why. No. Um, and it can often just be somebody's changed job. Absolutely. A lot, you know, 90% of the time, I think that's, that is the case. Um, But yeah, we were gutted and I I love working with Jason. He's just, I bet, yeah. He's phenomenally talented. He's amazing, isn't he? He can do anything, can't he? He he can literally do anything. And he's the busiest man in showbiz. He doesn't, he doesn't stop. And um, he, it was just such a joy to work with him because I was getting paid to be crying, laughing every day. It was just (laughs) wonderful. Yeah, and you can understand why him and Steve Edge are just the best of friends oh, from way back. They're so similar. Steve, Steve again, I, I did a sketch show with uh, Steve and Sally Lindsay years and years ago. Oh, brilliant. I was thrilled to bits to be working with Steve again. He's, he's mm. just as funny as Jason. It was it was just such a joyous job, and we loved Scarborough. I mean, for me, it was really nostalgic because I remember it from childhood, and I think we all put quite a bit of weight on, though, because we were just like, oh, let's have a fish and chips for the third <laughs> time this week. Um, hot donuts, you know, all that carry on. But Evening yeah, in the pub, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. lovely. <laughs> I thought it was lovely that Darren had taken, in a way, some of the best things from Benidorm yes. and transferred it to England and made it very English. Absolutely. His sense of humour and his timing and and the casting, actually, I thought was just absolute perfection. And to be working with Stephanie Cole again, who I just adore, uh, she has such a wicked sense of humour. And Maggie, Maggie Olren. Yeah, Fantastic. of course. Yeah, yeah. The, ho- the whole cast. And Darren not only is a fabulous writer, but he directed Scarborough, as you know, and, and he was a wonderful director. And I think probably because he's an actor as well, it was nice to have a director that can do the technical side, but also is an actor's director because mm. you always get that. And Darren was just, again, wonderful and was really open to us, you know, doing a little bit bit of improvisation and adding bits here and there, especially with Jason. You can imagine he's just <laughs> trying to throw <laughs> his own jokes in left, right and centre. And yeah. nine times out of ten, it worked. Um, so, yeah, it was just lovely. Such a shame. <laughs> I fell in love with Jason when I saw him a long time ago, just throw in in the middle of a quiz show. He said, what do you like doing? And the fellow said, oh, I like playing darts. He said, oh, have you ever played blindfold darts? And the fellow said, no. He said, oh, you don't know what you're missing. Brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's just the most wonderful line. And I thought, oh, you're good. He's just nonstop. And mm. when my little boy, he he comes on set often um, when I'm doing a job. And when we took him on the set of Scarborough, it was around that time that he decided he wanted to be a comedian. He was like, I want <laughs> to make people laugh and smile like Jason Manford. And I was like, what am I, chopped liver? Um, <laughs> but he just, he fell in love with Jason. He had such a thing for Jason. And um, yeah, that, and he, I, I think he might, he might end up being Jason's warm-up man. You never know. He's, he's uh, such a character. He's so funny. He's wonderful on stage. Oh. He's just fabulous with an audience. He is the epitome of an all-rounder, as we call it, in the business. Yeah, well, you've not got a bad voice yourself. Come on. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we, there was a bit of karaoke in Scarborough. <laughs> I bet there was. I, I think everyone got to the point where they were like, can Kath and Jason get off now, please? We do <laughs> it a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's got a great voice. 
Ah, oh, well, happy memories. But the BBC did that to you there, and they also did it with lilies, I remember. that, Which I, I really liked. They had the same thing. You thought, this is absurd. This is bound oh, to carry on. Third time lucky. Let's hope the next one. <laughs> next one. Uh, It'll run and run and run. Yeah, again, lilies was one of my favourite ever jobs. I just think it was slightly before its time because... A year after Lily's, suddenly there was this huge bout of period dramas and everybody fell in love with period dramas and it's that's never stopped. It's all about timing, isn't it? Yeah. He says leaving an untimely gap. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Catherine, we're going to talk about five things you've chosen to put into a time capsule. Yes. I really struggled with, with choosing things, though. There were so many things. Really? Yeah. I do love doing it. I love this moment, actually. I have to say, when I have no idea what you're going to say and I don't know where this is going to go, and it really reveals things about people, what they choose. Sure, yeah. And nearly always good. Oh, good. Well, I'll try and keep up with that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you at the end. (laughs) So I think um, the first one for me was my 30th birthday and turning 30 because I felt like it felt like it was a new era of my life in a very positive way. And it was a point in time where I just had a few years of going from boyfriend to boyfriend and none of the relationships were right. They were often quite toxic. And I suddenly decided a week before my 30th birthday, I was like, I'm done with men. I can survive on my own and I'm going to have this incredible party filled with everybody that I love in one spot. And I I spent a small fortune on this wonderful (laughs) party and I don't regret it for one minute. We had the best food, the best drink. We had a wonderful DJ. and, And I just remember it being a really pivotal moment for me and knowing that I can be on my own and I can be fine and I'm super strong. And I just, I just wanted to focus on my career. Mm. And I remember around midnight, Time of My Life from Dirty Dancing came on. And I remember crowd surfing. <laughs> and the hotel weren't best pleased. They were like, oh, my God, this is a health and safety nightmare. But I was crowd surfing on, on this sea of people that I loved with all my heart, all my closest friends and family. And we just had the best time. And I just remember looking down thinking, don't forget this moment. This moment is so special. And it was, and I've never forgotten it. It's a real mm-hmm. sad out night um in my life that changed a lot for me and because it can be very difficult for young people can't it but young women particularly i think in their 20s when the pressure is all looking right and and supposedly being successful in the sense of having a partner that's a sort of a way that they're judged and you go Uh, it's not who they are and it's not how successful they are mm -hmm. that's nothing to do with it i think a lot of the time still in this day and age as you approach 30 you do get asked that question. Do you want kids? Do you, do you think you'll settle? And, you, and you're like, I've not even turned 30 yet. I'm just about, you know, give me a break. Um, and I had always been about my career. I was very, and still am, very ambitious, very career driven. Mm-hmm. But I think it was also about standing outside of the box and um, and just taking a look at myself and going, you know what, I've had a, a few boyfriends now that haven't worked out. Is it me? Am I doing something wrong? And actually I worked out, I was just going for the wrong kind of guy. I didn't value myself enough. And I suddenly learned the value of me and started to know my worth as a woman and as a human being, as an actress. And 
yeah, it was just like I wised up overnight sort of thing and went, okay, all of these things have to stop. If I've got any toxic people in my life, they need to go because life is very short and I don't have time for that. I just need to be surrounded by lovely, positive people that love me as Mm -hmm. much as I love them. And suddenly I got the balance right. And it's been that way ever since. And I think as you get older, your patience levels get shorter, but it's not a bad thing. (laughs) You do realize that time is the most precious thing that we have. And you do want to spend it around the right people and, and doing things that make you happy. And then having made that decision and, well, I don't need this, I can step away from it, mm. it happens. Yes, it does. And you you suddenly attract all the right people, friends, mm-hmm. family, um, work colleagues, because it, I, I, I'm a big believer in the universe and you get back what you give out. And I think that, you know, really has happened for me in so many different aspects of my life, just because... I won't allow it any other way. And I feel so grateful. I do have a gratitude diary and I fill it in as much as I can. I've got two kids, so it's not every night, but um, <laughs> no. I think it's about being grateful and constantly counting your blessings makes a huge difference to your life as well. Yeah, it's very easy to moan, isn't it? Oh, it's so easy to moan. It's so easy to moan. You know, Tom and I said it the other day, we was like, I feel shattered at the moment because of Iris and her sleep patterns. And I was like, Kath, you can sort this and you've got a healthy, beautiful child. You and Tom are healthy. Alfie's healthy. That's everything. Mm. Your health is everything. And the fact that we've got a roof over our heads and we all love each other and we make each other laugh, that is everything. Yeah, absolutely. And you should have sung, I'm going to have the time of my life. Yes, I should have. (laughs) Well, well done. How lovely. What a great party that sounds like. So I'm going to put that in there, and any time you like, you can go back and revisit. Oh, perfect. And crowd surf away. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Catherine, what's the second thing you want to put in? The second one has to be my wedding. Otherwise, Tom's not going to be best pleased if I don't mention it. But, no, being serious, I know everyone says it's the best day of your life. And it is. It was. And I'm really lucky because um, one of my closest friends is Liz Taylor. She is... Well, she she used to um, be on the series Millionaire Party Planner. That was her series. She is the most phenomenal party planner. And she very kindly helped us with the wedding. I was mm. very busy at Corrie at the time. And I remember just saying to Liz, because she's used to doing parties for millionaires, you know, epic. And I was like, look, we've not got a massive budget. I trust you implicitly. And she was like, okay, step away from everything. I'll do it. I know you well enough. And she gave us the most special day. And um, I remember Jane Danson, who plays Leanne at Corrie, she gave me probably the best bit of advice ahead of the wedding, which was time goes so fast. She said, make sure that you and Tom keep finding each other, maybe every hour, every couple of hours, and just go and stand in the corner of the room and just look around and just all the people you love, having the best time, getting drunk, Mm -hmm. you know, eating lovely food. And and we did, we stuck to it and we made a point because you don't see each other very much on your wedding day. I know that sounds ridiculous, but you don't, do you? No, you don't. And we did. And we we kept pulling each other to one side and going, wow, look at (laughs) such and such. Wow, this is so cool. And just listening to the music and we made sure that we danced together as much as we could and It just felt like every element of the wedding went to plan. And Alfie was with us. Alfie was one at the time, which made it 
more special. Yeah. And everybody commented afterwards. Everybody was like, you know, I go to a lot of weddings, but you could really feel the love in the room. And we'd worked really hard making it personal. And, you know, we wrote our own vows. And I remember Tom's vows. <laughs> Tom's vows were so lovely. Everybody was crying. Hmm. But I'd used the opportunity to make my vows quite, quite funny. And Tom was like, Kath, you just did 10 minutes of stand-up in the middle of the wedding, didn't you? You just wanted to make the congregation laugh. Oh, so. I did exactly the same as my father of the bride speech. The only one oh, I'm going to really? get. Yeah, I did the same thing, just tried out a lot of gags. I love it. Shameful. You've got to go with it. Yeah, it brightens everyone's day. You know, you often get a bit of a dead moment at a wedding, don't you? So it's nice to make people laugh. <laughs> But yeah, I know it's probably a really common answer for you on, on this podcast, but yeah, my wedding day was just gorgeous. Lovely. And the great thing is that they are always individual weddings. It doesn't really matter what they are, I think, mm -hmm. as long as, as you say, the room is full of love. Absolutely. You can do it really simply. You can do yeah. it with hardly anybody there, or you can just do a massive thing, or you could all fly off to the Seychelles or something. If you want to, that's up to you. If you want to do that, that's fine, as long as it's what you want. Definitely. It's all about the love. You can get married in a shed. doesn't matter. As long as there's love and laughter, you're winning. I love a wedding. I do. Now, did you go down quite a traditional route with the wedding? Because um, I was raised a Catholic and it, it wasn't um, a religious wedding, much to my mum's dismay. Um, <laughs> we're both very spiritual, but I wouldn't say that I'm I'd, I'm not a practising Catholic anymore. But we, yeah, we made it really spiritual and um, the rest of it was traditional. I'd say my dress was quite traditional and I'd say we're quite a traditional couple, actually. Mm, I like that sitting down and people making speeches. and Yeah, I do. And we had all the tables were named after various places at Corrie. So we had like the Bistro, the Corn <laughs> Shop, um, <laughs> the Rovers. And then my other half, Tom, is from Wigan. So there's something in Wigan called Peas Wet Babbage Yed, which means <laughs> mushy peas around a steak and kidney pudding because it looks like a baby's head, apparently. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> But we had like a gourmet version of that because he was from Wigan and we had Manchester tart because I'm oh. from Manchester. So we tried to make everything really personal. <laughs> I'm glad it's because you're from Manchester, not because you're... Uh... Not because I'm a tart, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we probably should have thought that one through. Um, <laughs> and we had Tom's a big rugby fan and we had Wigan Warriors did us a lovely little video where all the players, you know, were wishing us luck. And so that oh, was some wife points. Um, yeah, yeah, it was just gorgeous. We had a lovely Motown band and, yeah, it was just beautiful. Fabulous. All right, well, let's put that really joyous occasion into the time capsule. Keep it safe for you. <laughs> That's two things. OK, what's number three? OK, it's time for some adverts right now, so sit back and be persuaded. Unless, of course, you've signed up to Acast Plus, where this podcast is ad-free. You don't have to, it's your choice, but for everyone else, we'll be back in a few moments when you may be considerably poorer. Good luck. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. Did you manage to avoid the allure of the ads? Depending on your answers, well done or never mind, which I think covers all options. Right, back to the lovely Catherine Tildesley and the remainder of the things she'd like to preserve in a time capsule. So the next one has to be my granddad. Um, My granddad was my hero. He was an incredible man. He played for United for a short time and then he played for Juventus in Tasmania. And he was also a jazz singer. And he had the most incredible voice, almost like a cross between Nat King Cole and Billy Eckstein. Mm. Beautiful. And he never quite made it mainly because he had dyslexia and he he really struggled to remember lyrics. He was incredible. Oh, the most gorgeous voice. And I remember, because I used to do the circuit around Manchester, I used to sing at working men's clubs. And then as time went on, I then started to sing for Manchester United and I started to get asked to do, you know, big, wonderful gigs. I went on tour with them. I did the Players Awards. Wow. And I went to Abu Dhabi, did the Grand Prix in Abu Dhabi. It, it was an amazing time. Yeah. And I got asked to do this lovely function at the Lowry Hotel in, in Manchester. I can't remember what it was for now, but I um, I asked if my grandparents could come because I thought my granddad was such a silver fox. He loved a night out. <laughs> <laughs> so I took them and um, about two o'clock in the morning when I'd, I'd sang and, you know, everything was dying down, my granddad grabbed the microphone and he just started singing. He sang a song called Warmer World by Billy Eckstein, which isn't that well known. I think it no. was actually released in Australia, but it's the most beautiful song. And um, and he sang it and he brought the house down and then he continued dancing with my grandma till about three o'clock in the morning, by which point I'd gone to bed and all my friends the next day and the other artists were like, Kath, your granddad bought the house down. And then he was the last person to go to bed. Like everyone just <laughs> fell in love with my granddad. And, um, and he's no longer with us. Um, we lost him a few years ago now, but he was, oh, he was my biggest cheerleader. He bought me my first PA system when I started singing so I could, you know, support myself. And he was just, he was a big hero in my life and such a great loss when he left us. And um, I just regret, I, I just wish that he could have met Alfie and Iris because I know that he would have been completely in love with them. But mm. I make sure that, I, you know, Alfie knows all about Granddad Jim and how much he meant to us. And I was really lucky to have him in my life. And, and my grandma's still with us, thank God. And she's equally as amazing. But um, yeah, that was a real moment for me. I just thought, oh my God, my granddad's an absolute hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a thing to be able to do for him. Yeah. But I bet he'd just, I bet he'd love the fact that you started singing. 
Oh, he loved it. I really regret not recording a duet with my granddad. Uh, do you have any recordings of him? I do, and we can't find them. We know that he he recorded some bits and bobs on mini disc, and it's been an ongoing thing over the years to try and locate these mini discs. Mm. That way, I would be able to duet. Yeah. And I did. I did an album a few years ago, and some of the songs on there were for my granddad. And I always feel like he's with me whenever I'm singing. I always feel I always feel like his presence is is there, if you will. Mm. Yeah, his voice was incredible. He he could have been a huge, huge star. I remember him writing to Albert Finney one at, at one point because he grew up with Albert. They were best friends. They both went to the Salford Lads Club together. And right. I remember him. They fell out of touch over the, over the years. And I remember him getting an address for him. I think it was via his sister or something. And um, he wrote to him and he was like, our Catherine's going to be an actress and she's going to be a massive star. And I just wondered if you'd bob her in a film. And I was like, Grandad, I don't think it works that way. And he was like, well, I've sent it. You never know. <laughs> you it. do never know. Actually, I think having a nerve is the thing. If anything, that's the thing I got from my dad. Have the nerve. Is it? Yes. You don't get it if you don't ask. Absolutely. And that's how my granddad was. If I ever doubted myself, he'd be like, don't be bloody daft. You're you're as good as such and such. You can do this. You can do whatever you want. And um, mm. that's something that I really try to pass on to my kids. You know, if there's any self-doubt with Alfie, I'm like, you can achieve anything that you want. Mm. You have to believe that. I love the fact that as a granddaughter, you absolutely adore his singing. And his grandson would go, he played for Man United. Oh, he yeah. Played for he tells everybody. Tells everybody. But he's, <laughs> he's, he's a massive footy fan and he, he goes mm. to football every week. And um, yeah, he's told everyone. Fact, when I took him to football a couple of weeks ago, all the kids were coming up to go, is it true? I was like, yeah. yeah. So he just thinks it's wonderful. Of course. What a thing. Yeah. I mean, you never lose the luster of having played for somebody like that. Mm. That's a badge of honour for the rest of your life and for your family, I think, the fact oh, that yeah. they can say that, you know. Strangely, I once sat in the director's box at Old Trafford. A friend of mine got me in and I sat next to Brian Robson. Oh, did you? And yes. I was incredibly excited by the fact. And at yeah. half time, he, he said to me, playing quite well, aren't they? I said, yeah, yeah, playing all right. He went, yeah. I used to play for this team, you know. And I went, I know! <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, it was unbelievable. The fact that he felt that he'd done it and then it was forgotten, I thought it was extraordinary. I thought it, was a, it showed a real sense of, in a way, the reality of the world is the fact that you can do things like that and then they're forgotten. But yeah. actually, you as a family, you know that and you treasure that. Oh, yeah, completely. And and I, I like... You know, I want Alfie to learn about his family and then the people that have passed. You know, my grand-grand, great-grandma, she died when she was 102 and she was such a character. I remember my mum taking my gran to the bishop's Christmas party as a treat because my mum used to work for the bishop and um, the bishop went over to her. She must have been 90-odd at this point. And he said, hello, Mrs Greenwood, what have you been up to? And she went, bloody pool dancing, what do you think? And I was like, oh, my mum was mortified. Like, I just thought it was the best thing ever. Like, of course, yeah. Don't yeah. talk to me like I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. What was your granddad's name? James, James Thornhill. Lovely. Yeah. I'm going to look him up. You must. I will do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Silver Fox, God. He's in there crooning away. Oh, he is. Mm. Okay, number four. We've got one that you want to keep and one you want to bury and forget. 
Yes. So the next, well, the final one that I want to keep Mm -hmm. is the moment that my son, Alfie, met his sister, Iris. It was a close call whether I chose this or the birth of both my children. Mm. But there are certain parts of the birth that I would rather forget, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but Alfie, it can go either way when you when you tell your first child that you're pregnant. I remember Alfie saying, oh, mummy, I really wanted a dog. <laughs> but he he was that bit older. You know, I think if he'd been younger, sometimes they can get a bit jealous, can't they? But mm. He was just so excited and I was two weeks overcooked. So she didn't come on a due date. And every day he was like, is she coming today, mommy? And I'd be like, I don't. And he was getting more and more excited and, and emotional. And um, the day we brought her home, I was sat on the bed and Alfie came in and I'll never forget his face. It was just pure love, just pure love right from the start. And he couldn't get hold of her quick enough. Hmm. And that, I mean, I, I could cry now. That that image of Alfie holding Iris and smiling, and he was filling up. He was so happy. Uh, and he's been that way ever since. He is the best big brother. And I said to Tom, I went, this moment is probably the best moment of my life, seeing my firstborn hold Iris was just, oh, my God, I just felt so lucky. I felt like I'd won the lottery. <laughs> yeah. And he, he is, he's wonderful with her. If she's crying, he'll go and pick her up. And he's such a help to us, I think probably because there's such a big age gap as well. But it's and- extraordinary is it, at that age to be aware of that responsibility, not just instant love that they have, but actually I am your big brother yeah. and I am going to make sure you're okay. He totally gets it. He's a very sensible boy. I suspect... Early signs are with Iris. She is feisty as hell and she's a bit of an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> um, a bit like my husband. He's he's one of those daft sods that jumps out of planes and all sorts. Oh. But um, Alfie's very sensible. He's the opposite. If we take him to a theme park, I don't want to go on that. I don't want to do this. And he's really, he really looks after her. But I think Iris is like a bull in a china shop. You know, <laughs> just about to turn one. And I take her to baby ballet and I'm really hoping she's going to be very girly and elegant. But no, she's going to end up being a, a rugby player. She's She is a bull in a china shop. Yeah, brilliant. Which is wonderful. Is absolutely wonderful. People are always encouraging boys to be like that. People are always saying, you know, be a brave boy. Go on, you don't, you're, don't be scared. Go on, you can do it. But in fact, it's nearly always girls who say, well, I'm not scared. I'll do it. Yeah, they're, they're the other way around. Alfie's a very sensitive little boy. And I, like I say, I think the early signs with Iris. I do think girls are slightly more independent. You know, even with my, my friends' babies, I feel that the boys can be a bit more chilled and a bit more lazy as babies. Whereas Iris is like, nope, get off me. I can walk by myself. Nope, I'll feed myself. I want to, you know, taking it to nursery. She didn't look back. She was like, bye, whatever. Whereas Alfie cried his eyes out. He just wanted to be on <laughs> me all the time. So, yeah. But yeah, they're just, I feel so blessed. There's such a theme going through your things, though. You talk about being at that party for your 30th and mm-hmm. looking down and being surrounded by love. And then you talk about being at your wedding and looking at everybody being surrounded by love. And then you look at your daughter, Iris, and the confidence that she has in herself, which mm-hmm. clearly comes from being surrounded by love. Oh, I hope so. It's, do you know, when I was writing everything down, all the things that I'm grateful for, the standout moments in my life, I thought, 
all of them, apart from this last one that I'll come on to in a minute, all of mm. them family-based. And I thought, oh, people are going to find it really boring. But <laughs> they are – I'm being genuine with it. I didn't want – you know, there yeah. lots of accomplishments career-wise that I'm super proud of. And as you say, you're ambitious for your career, and that's, that's a good thing, I think. But yeah. it's clearly not the be-all and end-all. It's not. Family, love and health have to be the most important thing in life. And I, there's loads of career – things and moments that you know I could bore you senseless with but they, they are not top of the tree when you when you're lying on your deathbed you you know for me I want to be really grateful for a successful varied career but I think the most important thing is being surrounded by those that you love and my worst nightmare my biggest fear is coming to the end of my life and thinking I wasn't a very good mom I've not done uh-huh. a good job raising these, bringing these humans into the world, into this current world as well, which is Mm. pretty murky at times. Um, So it's really important to me that we try our damnedest to get it right with these two little humans that we've brought into the world. Yeah. Well, if anybody's going to change it, the world, manage to make the world better, it's them. It's them. It's them. And that's a wonderful thing that should be celebrated. You know, some of the comments that Alfie comes out with, you know, the current situation at the moment with this awful earthquake and all those people. And he's like, mommy, what can we do? He wanted to do like a bring and buy sale at the front of the house. And it's and it's little things like this where I'm like, you can, you can change the world. Even if you're sending five pounds of your pocket money, every single penny helps. And mm. uh, he's got a beautiful soul in that way. And that's lovely to see. Yeah. Hopefully we're headed in the right direction. Well, I think he's already shown that he's capable of great things. It's very difficult for the older child to suddenly have an interloper come in, as you say. And the fact that his reaction was, yes, great. Mm -hmm. I thought I wanted a dog, but actually this (laughs) would be better. (laughs) It's very much like having a dog, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's the four things that you really treasure. And I said at the beginning, this thing tends to reveal things about people. And the fact that you haven't chosen anything from your working life or your career, it really does reveal something. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact you describe yourself as ambitious for your career and it not above other things, it doesn't no. exclude the rest. No, it can't be. Pe- people come first and those memories are so precious to me. However, the moment that I want to box is career-related mm. <laughs> on that on that note. Yes. It, there were a few things that were family-related, but I thought, let's move on. Let's, let's add something <laughs> else in. And it's funny because this moment that I would like to box is a double-edged sword because in a lot of ways, so it, it's Strictly. I'm going to talk about doing Strictly Come Dancing, which I thought I would never do mm. because I can't dance or couldn't <laughs> dance. They did ask me previous to the year that I actually said yes. And for a lot of reasons, I turned it down. But a big part of that was fear because I just, I look at myself differently a lot of the time. I go, oh no, I'm too tall and I'm too big to dance and I don't look like a dancer. And I have a condition which means I'm super hypermobile um, as well, which can make balance really difficult for me. Mm -hmm. I was just terrified. And then I said yes. And it was one of the best decisions in my life because I met Johannes, who was my partner. And um, he's become one of my best friends and he's wonderful. He's a ray of sunshine. Mm. And I learned to dance, which I never thought I would do. So there were so many positives. I had a ball. But 
one of my biggest regrets when I was at drama school, I was always taught never, you never apologize for a performance. You crack on. If you're poorly, you do a doctor theater and you carry on. If you break your leg, you carry on. And that's how I've always done things when I'm on, especially when I'm on stage and obviously strictly is live. So the night we got voted out, one of my ribs had come out, which happens a lot because of my hypermobility, but the pain is quite something. Mm. I'm having treatment backstage minutes before we go on for our dance. And he's this wonderful physio is he's manipulating, I don't know exactly what he did, but he's manipulating my diaphragm. He's trying to put this rib back in and I was in agony. And I really regret not saying something that night because I remember the the judges, I think Shirley said, oh, you, you were a little bit wooden tonight and it wasn't fit. And why on earth I didn't turn around and say, actually, guys, can you cut me a bit of slack because my rib's hanging out? I'm in agony. And, yeah. and really, and it wasn't our best dance. I hold my hands up and I'm not a dancer. It was our weakest dance. Mm-hmm. But I, I just wish to this day that I'd said something because they might have taken it into account. We might have lasted another week and I'm sure that's all we would have lasted. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I really regret not saying anything because everybody else did whenever they were injured. But my drama school training was like, I'm not going to tell them. I'm just going to put a smile in it and I'm going to carry on when really I should have just said, look guys, I'm struggling this week. Please be nice. <laughs> and although it would seem to be possibly an advantage to be hypermobile, that thing of where they say, well, you're overextending, you're too loose. That, yeah, that so, would be part of it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Cause my joints can sometimes come out, my knee, mm. out, my ribs move around. And, and actually I learned a lot about my condition on Strictly because it was one of their physios. You, you can't, you have to have um, a bit of a medical before you start. And mm. him, I said, Oh yeah, I'm really bendy. He was like, Kath, this isn't just bendy. You need to get this looked at. This is, you know, a condition. Mm. And I learned so much about my body and some limitations that I had and ways that I had to change the way that I was training. It was a real learning curve, but I did it. And I did everything that Johannes asked of me, things that I never dreamed I would do because I'm the girl that's scared of doing a forward roll. Um, <laughs> so for, for him to be dangling me upside down and throwing me about <laughs> and, um, and giving me confidence because I didn't have confidence at all when I started that. Um, and because I was much bigger when I was younger in my head, I was still too big to dance. I wouldn't look right. Um, I was like, oh, you know, I've got big legs. And it, and Janice was like, you've got big, strong, beautiful legs. In my country, that is celebrated. You need to go for this. You need to own it. And um, and I did. And Johannes changed my life. He really did. But that moment, that moment that I didn't say anything, that needs to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a sad thing. Because yeah. everybody who does it says that it's an extraordinary experience to be on Strictly. It is. And everybody wants it to last as long as it possibly can. Yeah. But largely, as you say, because of the relationship you form with your partner. Oh, yeah, very much so. We had the best time. We laughed nonstop. And I was very lucky that they asked me to do the tour. And so I got to, you know, spend some more time with Janice on the tour. And the tour was just absolutely wonderful when do you ever get chance to play an arena unless you're a rock star you don't you no Um, no. so I was very grateful to have some more time with with everyone really because it you know everyone involved was just wonderful all the dancers are wonderful so yeah that was pretty life-changing and in terms of confidence levels I really came away from that thinking 
I can do anything. If I can do Strictly, I can do anything. Yeah, particularly having said no because you were scared. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I never in a million years – I've always been a huge fan. I watch it every year. Mm-hmm. But I would watch it and go, oh, my God, I could never do that. I would look ridiculous doing that. So to actually go ahead and do it and learn how to dance, and, and I love dancing now. I love it. I don't care what I look like. We have kitchen discos at home all the time. (laughs) Um, And it's something that I want to do more of, you know, in terms of learning different kinds of dancing as well. So, yeah, really pivotal moment. Well, you should be proud of yourself for having done that because anybody who watches that programme, it runs through their mind. That moment when they say, and our next couple is, and dancing the cha-cha-cha and... The music starts. As soon as I hear the music, I feel like I'm going to be sick. <laughs> of course. I mean, it's just something you've done in a little private room somewhere, you know, yeah. in front of a mirror, and suddenly yeah. you're doing it in front of the nation. Oh, it's terrifying. And, you know, I've done a lot of stage work, and my, my background is in theatre, but there's nothing as terrifying as Strictly. No, I can imagine. Because you know. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm good at blanging it, putting a smile on, you know, doing a yeah. shit, covering up. But um, I'd have my speech ready. I would, that would be the first <laughs> thing I'd do if I ever went on Strictly is I'd write that speech. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was the same. I had that. Every week I thought, I'm going. I'm going. And I'm yet going. you wouldn't tell them that your rib was out. I know. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> Never mind. We'll put that in there and you can forget about it. True. There we go. Lovely. Thanks. Catherine, what a joy to talk to you. How lovely to meet you. Oh, you too. I knew you'd be lovely. So thank you very much. No, thanks for asking me. I think it's an absolutely brilliant podcast and such a wonderful idea. And like you say, you really get to know people. So thank you. Well, my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my wonderful guest, Catherine Tildesley. I very much appreciate you giving up your time to listen to this podcast. If you like it and have only just discovered my time capsule, then you have the joy of over 260 episodes, plus a number of Christmas episodes, compilation episodes, and some special listener episodes, available in what some call our back catalogue, which makes us sound a bit like the Beatles. Well, we're bigger than the Beatles. Actually, I think we've got more hours recorded than them. Anyway, you can go back anytime, all the way back to episode number one with Stephen Fry for about 10 solid days of listening. Or you can spread it out if you're not completely balmy. We also release new episodes on a regular basis, which we can send to you if you subscribe on the podcaster of your choice. If you have a moment, then please do rate us. And if you have a spare five minutes, then do leave a comment or even a review. Such dedication always earns our gratitude and really helps to lead others to listen. So thank you very much for that. I'm fairly active on social media, so you can see what I'm up to and what's coming up on the podcast if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, or all three if you like. And my social media world is full of politeness and, I hope, kindness. So join me and let's change that world together. My Time Capsule is also on those social media sites and my producer and son, if you didn't know, my partner in crime on this podcast, runs those sites. So you'll get nearly all my Time Capsule stuff from him, which is no bad thing. 
Thanks to John for all his work. It's just the two of us doing this, no publicity team, no one but us getting guests. John does all the editing. He wrote and performed the sick tune under the guise of Pastor P's music, where he's also available to write and has written all sorts of really quality music for ads and TV shows. And he produces every episode of this. I just do the talking on this cast-off production made for Acast, who released this show and worked very hard behind the scenes to support us. Thanks very much to them. But most importantly, thank you for listening and keeping us going. Right, I'm off to learn my lines for the latest play I'm doing. It's a very, very exciting role. I'm playing King Lear's brother, Chandelier. Yeah, all right, there's quite a lot of hanging around, but I light up the stage when I come on. There you are. Now you can see why I'm so grateful that John works on this podcast. Otherwise, it would all be shit like that. Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.